welcome to the Louder Than Silence podcast with your host, C.G. Wagner. This month's episode is Get Angry. As you may or may not know, I worked in the restaurant industry for the first part of my career before switching full-time to the nonprofit world. And let me tell you, it would be a whole separate podcast in and of itself just to tell all the stories that happened during that time. There is one situation that I have thought about numerous times from my time in the industry that I'm going to share with you today. The restaurant group I worked for opened a new bakery location and I was running it as the pastry chef and general manager. It was my first time hiring and training a staff from the ground up. It took what felt like forever to finally find my crew after a few months. These people I had deliberately hired because they fit the culture of the place, were good workers, and were genuinely interested in working at this particular bakery. One of these people was a young lady that I'm going to call Taylor, which is not her real name. She was in college at the time and interested in learning more about baking since it was a hobby of hers. She was and is an incredible person hardworking, brilliant, hilarious, and goofy in the best way. Taylor was one of my favorites on staff. I enjoyed working with her each and every shift. Typically, the way the schedule worked was that I would get in early, around 6 or 7 a.m. I would bake and decorate what we needed for the day, and around 10 a.m., a server would come in to set up the display case and get orders ready while I did some of the admin tasks, like running to the bank, checking email. We opened at 11, so I generally had an hour to get everything set before we became public-facing for the day. One day, Taylor came in for her 10 a.m. start time, and I left for the bank right away. It was just a block away and usually took about 10 minutes or so to complete the deposit and get change for the cash drawer. It was a routine and normal workday. I came back from the bank to find a customer in our dining room, clearly in a rage, yelling at Taylor. The customer sees me and then immediately begins ranting at me about how terrible of an employee Taylor was. What I pieced together was that the customer came into the shop and Taylor was still setting up, since it was almost an hour before we opened. Taylor still helped her with her order, despite that. It was unclear what, but something Taylor did set this woman off. It seemed like she was determined to be unhappy this day. The customer decided that Taylor had treated her so incredibly poorly that I should fire Taylor on the spot and demanded that I do so. As you might imagine, I wasn't inclined to fire one of my best employees on the word of someone who clearly was not going about things in a great way. Also, as you might imagine, this compounded her insolence. She just kept going on about how terrible of an employee Taylor was, and by this time Taylor slipped into the storage room on the brink of tears. I was pissed and had had enough. I told the customer in no uncertain terms that it was not okay for her to talk to my staff this way and to treat Taylor so poorly. I explained that unless she treated all of my staff with respect, 
then we did not want her business any longer. She stormed out in a huff, not bothering to respond to what I said. Taylor was quite shaken up by the whole thing, and we devised a plan moving forward. I would lock the door behind me when I went to the bank before we opened, for starters. If this customer came back, I would personally be the one to help her, and Taylor could walk away at any point. Taylor was never required to interact with this person again. The customer came back as a repeat customer and never said anything to or about Taylor again. The customer never apologized or acknowledged her actions. It was always a little tense when she was in the store making a purchase, but at least she honored what I told her was required of her to keep coming back. And thinking about this now, it makes total sense to me why I got angry at how Taylor was being treated. Of course, I was going to step in to do what I could on her behalf. But then I wonder, why didn't I ever say anything when I was treated poorly by customers over the years? I've been belittled, berated, dismissed, yelled at, and threatened. Was I angry about it? Eh, yes and no. But why did I hold my tongue? Why was it okay to be angry when I saw someone else being treated the way I generally considered to be acceptable for myself? I imagine a few of you listening have had similar experiences. That it was comfortable to be angry on behalf of someone else was something that we would have let slide for ourselves. So what's behind that? This is episode 7 of our Understanding LTS workshop series. Each month, we are going through the topics that we discuss in our workshop sessions as a way to help supporters understand our experiences and for survivors of sexual violence to feel heard. In past episodes, we've looked at our patterns, perfectionism and shame cycles, coping mechanisms, establishing healthy habits, and boundaries. This episode focuses on addressing anger. We'll be exploring why it's a challenge to acknowledge anger, what common reactions to anger are, why we need anger, and approaching anger in a healthy way. For some of us, the place we need to start is by asking if anger is okay just as a baseline. We've been told that displaying anger is bad or a sin or unloving or any number of other negative descriptions placed on it. But let's start with the understanding that anger is an emotion, no better or worse than other emotions. We have a whole range of experiences during this lifetime that bubble up all sorts of emotional responses. Categorizing one of them as unwelcome means that we emotionally limit ourselves needlessly. If we wouldn't condemn a person for feeling happy, let's not shame a person for feeling angry. And that being said, there is a caveat. It is tragically common for rage to be described as anger, even though they are two entirely different things. Rage is reactive. It is destructive and violent. It is often based in shame or entitlement. It is biting, stinging, and vindictive. Anger 
is a thoughtful response, inspiring change and healthy action. It is based in love and justice. It is inspiring and life-giving. Keep this in mind as we keep going with this conversation. Now that we have a better idea of what anger is, now let's chat about why it is hard to acknowledge it. The first reason is what we just talked about, that we often associate anger with rage. We have witnessed the devastation that rage causes, and we want to distance ourselves from that, and rightly so. If rage and anger have become synonymous, then all of it ends up being avoided in order to avoid the rage. But even if rage isn't the issue, many of us have not seen healthy expressions of anger. This is one of the questions we ask in the workshop session around anger. What does healthy anger look like? And have you seen it in your life? The answer is almost unanimous with each group. No one has seen healthy anger responses enough times to be able to recognize it. For survivors of sexual violence and others who have lived with long-term abuses, anger feels very messy since it goes against the people-pleasing tendencies we've learned as our coping mechanisms during the abuse. Tapping into our anger can feel like it's putting our safety at risk, even when we're no longer in the abusive situation. And besides that, since anger inspires action, a person needs to be empowered enough to engage with the emotion. If a person doesn't have agency in their own lives, then interacting with anger feels like a pointless exercise. As a survivor heals, they have the opportunity to learn what it looks like to have that agency and the ability to express this valid emotion. So what happens when we don't acknowledge anger? It basically ends up on one end of the spectrum or the other of unhealthy reactions or oscillating between the two. One reaction is to disconnect from ourselves when we feel it. We pretend like anger isn't happening, that whatever the situation is, isn't really that big of a deal, and we shove the feeling way down deep where we hope we'll never feel it again. It is dismissing and gaslighting ourselves into ignoring what our minds, bodies, and souls are telling us feel wrong in some way. We tell ourselves that we were bad to feel it and punish ourselves. We create as many barriers as possible to separate ourselves from the anger we feel as though it never existed at all. The other extreme reaction that is common is what we've already touched on, rage. It's an expression that something has affected us deeply, but instead of using that as a motivator for change, we let that energy explode. Regardless of excuses we've heard or given ourselves about how something just came over us, or we didn't see it coming, or whatever we use to minimize the damage, Rage is something that we allow ourselves. It's an indulgence, a steam valve to release the pressure that's built up from not expressing anger in a healthy way, which takes more presence and awareness. 
typically rage ends up being directed at people who don't feel like a threat to us for one reason or another. This can be lashing out at a partner or family member because we trust they won't abandon us. Or it can look like having road rage, assuming we'll never see that particular driver again. Sadly, when we justify letting out our rage on certain people, it can also show us who we believe is not our equal. Maybe it's the server in the restaurant or the customer service agent on the phone. Maybe it's someone that English isn't their first language. Maybe it's someone who looks or believes differently than we do. Maybe it's someone experiencing homelessness. These things indicate much deeper roots of who we believe is part of the group that we call us and who is the group that we call them. But make no mistake, regardless of who we unleash our rage on, it causes harm. Typically, when we don't have a solid grasp on how to handle our anger in a healthy way, we oscillate between these two reactions. Shove the anger down, try not to feel it, and then have it erupt into rage. And after we see the rage, we tell ourselves that anger is bad and shouldn't be felt, and double down on keeping it locked up. This makes the next rage even stronger, and the vicious cycle goes on. As much as we might want to gloss over when we've raged at others, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that rage doesn't make much of a difference. I'm sure each one of us listening to this can think of a time when someone released their rage on us and how damaging it was. In fact, when I texted Taylor to ask her permission to share this story, I told her I was doing an episode on anger and asked if she would be comfortable with me sharing, quote, about the lady who was awful to you. She instantly and immediately knew who I was talking about, and we ended up having a whole discussion about what happened that day. This incident was over 12 years ago, and the customer unleashing her rage on Taylor left that significant of an imprint. And this is going to be tough to hear, but we also have the opportunity to be very honest with ourselves and recognize when we've done the same. It's painful to see the ways that our coping strategies harm others, and this is certainly one of those areas. Don't worry, we'll cover forgiveness in an episode soon, and that's also why we're addressing anger today. Back to the topic at hand. Why is anger so important? Why do we even need it? Wouldn't it be better if we never experienced anger at all, if it can so easily lead to rage? When we allow ourselves to address anger in a healthy way, it drives healthy and positive action. It lights a fire for us, allowing the flame to grow steadily, not explode. It shines a light to say, something's not right here. We can use anger as a guide, a way to point to our true north and to see what's happening in our lives with clarity. See, anger is the response we have when someone or something we value has been harmed. It says, no, this can't go on. When we experience anger about how someone has been treated, it's an expression of love. 
It demonstrates to someone that who they are is precious. It shows when connections between people have been damaged. It's incredibly common to hear survivors talk about how much easier it is for us to feel anger on behalf of someone else, but not as much for ourselves. This was certainly true about what I pondered for myself after thinking about this situation with Taylor. Survivors of sexual violence and other long-term abuses have had our value chipped away at by our abusers. So the concept of being angry for how we are treated often feels like a foreign concept. If we don't know that we have value, we don't know that it's okay to believe that our anger is actually coming from a good place. We can easily recognize someone else's value, which is why feeling angry for someone we love is much, much easier. However, pretending like an emotion, any emotion, doesn't exist as a long-term strategy will eventually fail. Unhealthy coping mechanisms eventually cause harm when we leave them unacknowledged. It's often said that unaddressed anger leads to depression. If we keep telling ourselves that we can't trust ourselves in our responses, if we can't demonstrate how we value ourselves or others, we keep shutting ourselves down. And when that becomes the pattern we live by, signs of depression come to the surface. Lethargy, disinterest, difficulty engaging, and the rest. Yes, absolutely, there are many factors that contribute to depression. And yes, chronically ignoring anger can be one of them. Daphne Rose Kingma said it so well in her book, Loving Yourself. Anger is also a beautiful emotion. It's the emotion of self-care, of self-protection. It is the emotion by which we make ourselves known to others as worthy, valuable human beings. Anger is the way we should tell people that they have gone too far, that they've crossed the invisible boundary they shouldn't have crossed if they want to remain in our good graces. And this is such a beautiful expression of honoring anger's presence in our lives. And hopefully by now you're on board with the idea that maybe anger is a good thing. So how can we approach anger in a healthy way? Well, step one is to find out what's blocking us to begin with. The ideas mentioned earlier. Is it that we associate it with rage? We don't know what healthy expressions of anger look like. Still sorting through getting out of the people-pleasing mentality. Don't feel like you have enough agency. Something else. Addressing those patterns is the foundation we build off of. Like all healing, there's not a set of straightforward and clear steps to take to get to where we want to be. One part of the process is simply giving ourselves permission to feel the anger when it bubbles up. It is uncomfortable to sit with a feeling that we have previously shut down so many times. It will likely feel like you're doing something wrong or bad, or that you're going to cause yourself more problems by feeling it. But remember, anger is just a feeling 
like being sad or happy or scared or any of the others. It's not bad. One PSA to include here is that, like all other parts of healing, once you allow yourself to feel something for the first time, usually the pendulum swings way to the other side and it can feel like you're angry all the time. But remember, the anger that you shoved down for decades didn't go away. It's been lying dormant. You aren't doing anything wrong if you feel incredibly angry. Just try not to get stuck there. Use the momentum. Find what helps you get the anger out. Journaling, running, painting, boxing, dancing, screaming, whatever it is. Explore the options and find out what works for you as you learn what healthy expression looks like. So once you feel the anger, there are a few avenues to explore from there. One is that anger is typically associated with a partner emotion. It took me years to realize that I felt anger when I was actually feeling hurt. Anger felt strong and powerful, and being hurt felt weak and vulnerable. And since I was afraid of being vulnerable, I latched on to the anger. It felt more secure. But now, I can feel anger and ask myself what I am feeling hurt about. It's amazing how clarifying that is and how quickly it gets to the root of what the anger is showing me. Another idea to explore is to ask yourself what person or thing you value has been harmed. See if the anger is in direct proportion to the level of value you place on what was harmed. If you find a disproportionate reaction, dig deeper. There's something else there. If you scuff your new shoes and become enraged, well, it's definitely not just about the shoes. And if someone almost hits your dog with their car because they were on their phone while they were driving and not paying attention, and you have almost zero reaction, dig deeper. What is preventing you from feeling anger at someone you love almost being injured? You can also ask yourself what the anger is inspiring you to do. Our feelings don't exist in a vacuum. They are tied to our experiences and our environments. If you find yourself consistently angry about the same topics, figure out what's behind that and what it looks like to take action. This is the reason that people begin volunteering, or run for public office, start nonprofits. It's the reason I started Louder Than Silence. I was angry at feeling like there were no spaces where I could be real about the pain of the sexual violence I lived through, and angry that survivors pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to undo the harm of crimes committed against them. So I did something about it. One day at a time, I'm learning what it looks like to say that I am angry about how survivors have been treated, and I will use that to propel me forward. And you can do this too. What would the world look like if you used your anger to fuel change that would improve connection with each other, to the earth, to the divine? Answering that question paints a beautiful picture, friends. The key to all this is staying curious, approaching yourself with grace, 
and being willing to move when the time is right. Keep checking in to make sure you're finding the middle ground, not shutting down the anger, but not letting it overflow into rage. Explore if a healthy expression looks more or less than what you're feeling in that moment. And through it all, remember, you don't have to handle it all perfectly. It will be messy and uncomfortable. Be kind to yourself as you create these new patterns. As I've been putting together my thoughts for this episode, I thought about how my life would be different if I had responded in another way to the customer that day. I wondered if I had started yelling back at her, if I would have gotten fired, if I unleashed my rage on her, would the business have suffered? Probably. Would I have lost the respect of Taylor? Most likely. All of that pales in comparison to what I would have lost if I hadn't expressed any anger at all. If I hadn't used the anger to stand up for her, Taylor eventually would have reached the conclusion that I didn't really care about her well-being and most likely would have quit. And yes, that would have been bad for the business. But the real loss would have been the friendship. What I can see now that I couldn't have possibly known all those years ago was that my anger solidified my friendship with Taylor. She would never have to question how I felt about her and what her value is to me. And it's an incredible honor to have been friends with her all these years. We haven't even lived in the same city for several years now, but are still regularly in touch. It would have been a huge loss to have missed out on all of that. So who in your life needs your anger? Who needs to know the value that they have? Is it a family member, a significant other, or a friend? Is it really yourself that you want to start showing up for? What is your anger driving you toward? How can you make the world better, inspired by anger at the harm you see being perpetuated? Friends, we've been feeling the weight of struggle in our lives for too long without feeling like there's anything that can be done about it. Now is the time to see our anger and use that inspiration to make the change, to address what's inflicting damage, and to make some new patterns. It's time to get angry. Thank you for listening to the Louder Than Silence podcast. If you'd like more information about our organization, visit us at louderthansilence.org and sign up for our newsletter or follow us on Instagram at louderthansilenceorg. If you like our work, please consider donating today. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for the most current episodes. See you next month.